Good morning. The altars are open, as they always are, but especially during time like this where we set aside for just prayer and contemplation and generally directing ourselves towards God. So pray with me as we transition from worshiping in music to worshiping in his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this morning and every morning like it and unlike it. Lord, you You're the reason for it all. So I, again, I thank you. I pray this morning as we hear your word that it would embed itself deeply on our souls. That no amount of scrubbing or trying to get it off would, would be allowed. And even if it was, it would be useless because your words would be there permanently. I pray as we go out into today, no matter what that may look like for us. Lord, not only would those words be permanently on our soul, but they would just flow from us. That your life-giving word would just give life outside these four walls as we know it does from you but also from us repeating it so that your kingdom would be on earth as it is in heaven so that we would help build that kingdom and be a part of it and grow it to prepare for you and your way here. I pray for all those dealing with sickness and hurt and pain and those who are here, those who aren't, Lord, you know what's going on. So I pray for your hand to be on them, to give them peace, to give them healing, whether that be through your miracle or through the miracle of modern medicine, Lord. But whatever it be, be it your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am Of the goodness of God, I will sing of the goodness of God. 
Thank you, worship team. We appreciate you as always. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody in God's house this morning. Just have a few short announcements. Nothing, uh, nothing new happening soon, but we do have a few things longer range down the road. Um, we have an annual church business meeting in May, and um, we'll also be having a church work day just to get um, accomplished a few things around here that need tidying up that we don't do, you know, other times of the year, I guess. Uh, but though we'll have more information about those. We also have our Wednesday night Bible study is ongoing. Um, I think we're going to go through the summer, but we're not. <clears throat> we are, yep. Uh, and right now, um, we're all meeting together, men and women, ho whoever may come. But we encourage you to uh, consider making that a, a part of your week if you have time, uh, Wednesdays, 6.30 p.m. here at the church. So we, uh, we encourage you to do that. This morning's scripture is from... I'll actually be reading it, so nobody will be coming up but me. <clears throat> Debbie's lovely husband, right? Um, this is from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, when, when Jesus appears to his disciples. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Technical difficulties. A little bit of technical difficulties there. The microphone slipped off my pocket and I had to tuck it in my back pocket. It is so good to see each one of you this morning. Glad to be here. If I've not met you before, I'm Reverend Paul Detmer. My wife Diana is with me today and uh, we're glad to fill in here once a month and uh, help make a difference while you look for a full-time pastor and I am praying about that with you. I love Easter, and last Sunday I got to be in my home church in Cherryville, Pennsylvania. My wife and I were down visiting part of my family, and um, when uh, James asked me to fill in uh, the week after Easter, I felt I, know, I knew which message I wanted to preach, um, because this message speaks to me. I, I so love Easter, and I'm so glad the Lord... Um, has patience with us and he deals with us even when we're struggling sometimes with doubt and insecurities and uh, I see that in this message today. Uh, I'm entitled this message Easter Sunday night and the week after Easter. James read the first part of our scripture for us there from James 20 and I am turning to James 20 in my Bible and I'm going to read you the next several scriptures, but I want to pray and ask God's blessing upon the message as I speak, and that his spirit will help me to speak it the way his heart would want me to, and that he will help you to uh, receive the message, and he'll interpret something to you just the way you might need it. Heavenly Father, thank you for each one that is here this morning. I believe you love them deeply. Just like you loved your disciples who were still scared after that Easter morning. Still fearing for their lives. Still struggling with doubt. And yet you came to where they were. We thank you and we ask your Holy Spirit's help. 
May we honor your risen Son as we speak and as we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. One Easter Monday, a minister bounded down the steps of his city church. He was feeling pretty good, and as usual, there was the flower lady selling flowers to passerbys in the street from her cart. He thought he'd cheer up her Monday a little bit, and he went to buy a flower when he spoke to her and said, you know what? You're always cheerful, no matter what's the day. What's your secret? And she said, why, Pastor, when it's your darkest day and you're going through the most struggling, like Jesus, just wait three days. Sermon from a flower lady. <laughs> just wait three days. It sounds simple, but I have found in my own life, when I'm going through one of the lowest pits in my life, if I will just hang in there, keep my faith in God, and just wait three days. God is a way of showing you he's still there and he's still on the throne. And I like that little story. This week after Easter, I want to share a handful of thoughts with you about our resurrected Christ and meeting his struggling disciples. Just a handful of thoughts, five thoughts in all from this passage that uh, James read to us and where I'm going to pick up in just a second. First of all, Jesus met the disciples where they were at, not where they were supposed to be. It says in that 19th verse, the same day at evening before the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst. They were not where they were supposed to be. Do you remember where they were supposed to be? In Galilee. Listen to Jesus' words to the women at the tomb in Matthew 28, verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Jesus gave the women instructions, and the women passed it on to the men. Okay, take it easy on us women. You know, men can be a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to say anything. I wanted you to pick the words. But isn't it true? They doubt it. And then Mark's gospel records just a little different words in Mark 16, verse 7. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. Go to Galilee. And you know, Peter... Many of the disciples were discouraged after Good Friday. It was Peter, and the message was specific. And aren't you glad that God can make the message just for you and almost seem to write your name on it when you're really down? They weren't where they, weren't, they, weren't where they should be. But Jesus still came to that locked room and showed himself to the disciples and to Peter. He found them behind locked doors in the midst of fear and confusion, but he met them. Isn't that just like our Lord? And throughout the Bible, there's other examples. One of my favorites is Elijah. You know, he just has the contest with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, he wins a decisive victory, goes back home, and he gets a message from Queen Jezebel, you're going to be dead tomorrow. I'm going to make sure you're killed. And what does he do? He runs 
where the servant leaves a servant in a town, runs alone into the desert a whole day's journey, collapses underneath a broom tree and says, Lord, I've had enough. Take away my life. He's really discouraged and depressed, and he falls asleep. Wasn't where he's supposed to be, but an angel shows up. And he wakes up, and there's bread and water. He says, eat and drink. He sleeps some more, and angel says, have some more water and bread. I wish I knew what was in that bread. Because when he woke up, he ran for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. Goes into a cave. And the Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? wasn't where he was supposed to be. And he says, God, I've served you, and now I'm the only prophet of God left. Remember what God does? He says, stand before me on the mountain. He goes to the front of the cave. And remember, a great wind comes along, and a great fire, and a great earthquake, and the whole mountain is trembling. But the Lord wasn't in the wind or the fire or the earthquake. And then God whispered in a still, small voice, Elijah. And he he wraps himself in his robe. And God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he gives him a new message about who's going to be a prophet, who's going to learn from him, his understudy, Elisha, and the new king he's supposed to anoint. I'm so glad that God can meet us just where we're at, aren't you? I went into a nursing home to visit an elderly member of the Hubel and Wesleyan Church one day. (laughs) And I don't always get commands from people, but this day I, I did. I walked in stood at the door, and her name was Ruby. Ruby looked up, and she said, Pastor, rub my back. Well, I, I don't always do it, but I walked over, and I rubbed Ruby's back. She was in her nightgown, I think, and I just, oh, feel so much better, and I kind of laughed. And we talked. And one, one time of those times visiting Ruby, she said, you know, Pastor, sometimes we just need his presence when we're struggling. William Poole put it in these words, just when I need him, Jesus is near. Just when I falter, just when I fear, ready to help me, ready to cheer, just when I need him most. Have you been there? There was Peter who had denied him. There were the other disciples who had all forsook him when he was arrested in Gethsemane. They're locked in this room in Jerusalem saying, are they going to come after us next? And Jesus steps into the room. just when they needed him. Oh, my friends, just when you're alone, just when you feel forsaken, aren't you glad Jesus can come and meet us where we are instead of where we're supposed to be sometimes? That's what he does. That's what he did for the disciples. I'm so glad. The second thing I notice in this scripture is Jesus met his disciples when the doors were shut or locked. They weren't expecting him to be there, but he showed up even when they were behind locked doors. And I love this fact that the Savior did not need a key or a search warrant. He just showed up where they were hurting. Oh, believers in Jesus, I believe he still shows up where we are hurting. He still is interested in each of us as an individual. And he knows us 
and he comes when we don't think there's any possible way, anything that could cheer us up. He steps into a locked room and he says, peace be unto you. He still shows up when we're hurting. He showed them his hands and his side. I love this. Someone said, do you know the only man-made thing in heaven will be the nail prints in Jesus' hands and feet and the wound in his side? Because they remind us of the price Jesus paid for them. And, And John and maybe some of the other disciples stood at the cross and they saw him nailed there and they saw his side pierced and he shows it to them. One of the songs that I love to sing is uh, Crown Him With Many Crowns. The second verse of that song says, Crown Him the Lord of Love. Behold His hands and side. Rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. No angel in the sky can fully bear the sight but downward bends His wondering eyes at mysteries so bright. Jesus says, Peter, John, come here. Look at my hands. Look at my side. And I think this is the understatement in the Bible. Did you see what that verse says when they say, when he shows them his hands and his side, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I think that's the understatement in the Bible. James's version said they were overjoyed. That's a little better. Can you imagine when they saw Jesus' hands and he shows them his side? What a moment of joy. He himself, Jesus, who was crucified for our sins, is risen from the dead, and he's alive, and he's active, and he's meeting us where we're hurting, meeting us where we feel defeated. I think some of them must have little, done a little joy dance. I was watching my brother play the drums here. I want you to know I love music, I love rhythm, but I am rhythmically challenged. <laughs> but I believe in heaven. We're going to rejoice in his presence. And the disciples just got that foretaste when Jesus shows himself alive and he shows them his hands and his feet. And he wants to meet us where we're at. And he has an individual message for each one of us. Aren't you glad? He knows us. I like another song that I think goes with this passage. You know, this little flock of disciples locked in that room. Paul Rader wrote this song, Only Believe. Fear not, little flock, from the cross to the throne, From death into life, he went for his own. All power in earth, all power above is given to him for the flock of his love. Even though they were supposed to be in Galilee, Jesus couldn't stay away. They were hurting, and he met them in that locked room. I like the third verse. Fear not, little flock, whatever your lot. He enters all rooms the doors being shut. He never forsakes. He never is gone. So count on his presence from darkness to dawn. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. That word possible is my word for this year. God has a way of meeting us and reminding us he's there. The third thing I notice about Jesus meeting with his struggling disciples is that Jesus met them with words they needed to hear. Notice, not with words of rebuke. What are you doing here, you crazy knuckleheads? I told you to be in Galilee. No, he didn't do that. He didn't say, Peter, how comes it? No, he didn't say that. 
Do you know what he said? Four Ps, or I'll put it in 4P form. First P, peace. Peace be with you. He said is it twice. Peace be with you. I believe, my friends, Jesus can so speak to our heart and give us the peace we need in the midst of fear, in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of confusion. He can give us peace. And when he whispers peace to our soul, we don't got to fear the dread on the outside. There's a lot of things going on in this world, aren't there? But I've never been more encouraged about the future because I know who's on the throne. I know who's coming again. And when we're his, his peace can fill our souls in the midst of a crazy world. The second P is he tells them, I have a place for you. Notice this. As the Father has sent me, I, am, I also send you. Andrew, I have a place for you. James, I have a place for you. Thomas, you know, he mentions different ones by name. But he says to Peter, I have a place for you. After their failure, after Peter's denial, after they forsook him in the garden, I have a place for you. you know what God does for us too? Each of us. He can use us to serve him. And he doesn't leave you out. I used to share this with the kids at the psychiatric center who were there because of a bad home life or because of depression or discouragement. And this always connected with them. I, I would tell them this story of the first church my wife and I pastored. There was a man named... Dave Schreckengast. Dave had a certain skin condition, you know, some was light and some was dark, almost looked like he had a raccoon mask on. His face looked a little funny. His back was bent as a teenager because he carried his wheelchaired father to church, out to the car and to church and then out of church, and he developed a bent back. He said, I was sitting on the left side all alone when there was an altar service and people were up praying at the altar and my own mother began to wave her hanky and shout. And then she started back the aisle and she said, oh no, he's coming to, he's, she's coming to ask me to come to the altar. Oh no, no. Well, she did come back. She put his hand on him near the back of the church and she said, Dave, God has a place for you. She walked on by. He said, Pastor, when my mother said that to me, that God had a place for me, I wanted to be Jesus' disciple. I wanted to be a Christian and follow him. That was the turning point in my life. Well, I'm here to tell you, God has a place for you. The third thing he said to them is, I have a person for you. Now I would tell that to the teenagers and the children, and I'd say, there's somebody special God has for your life. There's a, there's a life partner that he has for you. I believe, girls, he has a guy picked out for you. And girl, You know, I would, I would share that with them. but listen to the person God has for us. Verse 22, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We believe in a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the person of the Holy Spirit is the one who comes into our heart when we Ask Jesus through what he did on the cross to forgive our sin and give us peace. And Jesus breathed on them 
and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Guys, I'm going to be in and out for the next 40 days. But what you need is the Holy Spirit who can be with you always. In the last P, he said, I have pardoned for you. He came with his offer of forgiveness and he told them, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Aren't you glad God can forgive the deepest and darkest sins in our lives? He has pardoned for us. I've always liked this passage in Isaiah that has the word pardon in it. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Jesus met the disciples with the words they needed to hear. With peace and promise, he has a place for you and a person for them, and he had pardon for them. Boy, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He had just the right words for them. During our darkest hours, he can have the right words for us. Just when we need them. I remember driving in on a Saturday night with my cousin and a friend going to the mall. I was 16. I'd been 16 for two, three months, and because I worked for my dad on the farm, he had found a 66 Mustang, and Ah, oh, it was a beautiful car. And I'm driving through an intersection, green light, cars in front of me and back of me, a car waiting to turn, and for some reason when I got into the intersection, he turned right in front of me and smash. And my dad, I called my dad. I was hurting. First person who, this big tall man, when I stepped out of the car was there, it was my driver education teacher from high school. <laughs> Kid you not. And he said to me, Paul, I saw what happened. It wasn't your fault. I'll be a witness for you. I felt about this much better, you know, at the moment. But then I had to call my dad. It was before they had cell phones, and I went to a phone booth across the intersection, and I called my dad. And the first thing he said, are you okay? That's what matters. Cars can be fixed or repaired or replaced, but are you okay? Jesus met them with the right words. The fourth thing I want you to notice with me, Jesus met his disciples with symbols of his love, not with blame and shame. I want you to look with me now at the second part of that passage in John 20. Verse 24, now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print in the nails and put my hand in his, into his side, I will not believe. You know, there's some men that are persistent. Then there's some that are stubborn. Thomas said, I won't, unless I do that personally. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, Thomas. Right here. Reach your finger here. 
and put it into the print of the nails. He said, Thomas, take your hand and reach it here and put it into my side. And don't be unbelieving, but believing. I would have liked to have seen Thomas's face at that minute. I really would have. Doubting Thomas as we give him the name, he said, I'll refuse to believe unless I see those prints there. Thomas spoke with defiance, but Jesus came back for the disciple that missed out, who wasn't there with the others. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like the black sheep of the family or you didn't quite fit in or, you know, maybe most of your family is a Christian and then you weren't? I'm glad Jesus has time for that disciple who has doubts and struggles and he can speak to us personally. Thomas, reach your finger and put it right here. And, and maybe he pulls his robe and says, put, put your hand in my Thomas, I can see him falling to his knees. I don't think he ever touched his side. I don't think he ever put his hand. I believe he fell to his knees and he said, my Lord and my God. And then notice what Jesus says to him next. Jesus said in verse 29, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. The fifth thing is Jesus met his disciples with a word for the future, not leaving us out. He met them where they were and he spoke the words they needed to hear. He showed them as the nail princes, his hands and his side, and then he, he assured them that he knew them individually, even those who feel left out. But then he met them with a word for the future. He said, Thomas, because you've seen me, just at this moment, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen me, but believe. Do you know who he was talking about? Me and you. We've never seen Jesus personally in front of us. We've never seen the prints of his nails, uh, nails in his hands and his feet and the wound in his side. But as I started reading my Bible, as I started hearing songs like the old rugged cross, as I started hearing songs like it is well with my soul, and when I read my Bible and I asked Jesus to forgive my sins, I can say I've seen the Lord, not, not here, but I believed him in my heart. William Gaither used those words in his song, I've never traveled far around the world. I've never seen the many thrills and sights unfurled, but I have taken the journey of journey for me up Calvary's mountain, there my Savior to see. I've been to Calvary in my heart. I can say I've seen the Lord. I've been to Calvary through the riches of his word, each day at Calvary, what a thrill of love divine, just to know that the Savior is mine. And aren't you glad, my friends? He knows each one of us, and he can meet us where we're at, whether the disciples on Easter night in the locked room or eight days later, when Thomas is with him this time, the doubting disciple. And Jesus says, Thomas, come here. 
and Thomas kneels before him and says, you're my Savior. Though we've not seen him in our eyes, we can know him in our heart. In just a few moments, the worship team is going to sing. I want to close with this illustration. And I want to tell you, I want to be a help in whatever way. The altar is always open, as Pastor Franklin has said. But if someone wants to talk or counsel afterwards in their own, says, I don't know exactly how to invite Jesus into my heart and to be my Lord, but I, I heard you invite me, that you'll meet with me and help me to do that. I gladly will. But sometimes people already know what they have to do, and in just stepping out to, to sit on the front seat or kneel at the, he'll meet you when you take your second step. But he'll meet you wherever you're at. This is my closing story. I was pastoring in Logan, in Pennsylvania, our first church. We were having a revival meeting, so I was up front at the pulpit getting some things ready and uh, maybe putting a hymnal there for the one who leading the singing and a Bible there. And I saw the back door open and Maud walked in. He, she was elderly woman in our church. She's kind of bent over. And she had had 10 children and I almost fell over. Her husband was with her, Woodrow. She had been praying for her husband to come to know her Savior for 30 years. You know, I greeted him and welcomed him. I had been to their home, my wife and I had for a meal. And uh, we had the service, and I was up praying with some people about around the altar as I was a pastor in my 20s and someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, Pastor, Woodrow is kneeling back in his pew. I think you should speak to him. You know, I was like a deer with headlights in my eyes. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want, he was there for the first time. <laughs> I didn't want to scare him away. But I didn't want to neglect my duty and I remember what happened. <laughs> God must have helped me. I, I, I must have been tiptoeing in tulips. I went back so careful, slid in a side of him on the pew, and knelt aside of him, and I said, Woodrow, do you believe the Lord could save you? <clears throat> yes, sir. Strong voice. I said, okay. I said, Woodrow, I just want to ask, are you ready for the Lord to save you? And he said, no, sir. God's spirit hasn't drawn me yet. I said, Woodrow, I respect that. Jesus said, the Father has to draw each one, and if tonight's not, that's okay. I'm glad you're here, you know. And I started to slip away. And I believe the Lord put something in my heart. I... Before I stood up, I slid back a little bit across the pew. I said, Woodrow, one more thing. You don't have to be in church for the Lord to save you. I, I know you love the outdoors. I know you have a big garden. If you're out there running your tractor, and God's Spirit says, Woodrow, now is the time. Just say yes. Saturday night came, and we were all watching that back door. Woodrow came again. Nothing happened. Sunday morning, we came to church, and his wife, when we uh, opened her eyes from prayer, is walking back in front of the altar saying, pray for Woodrow, pray for Woodrow. We said, what happened? He was watching a pastor on TV when all of a sudden tears started running down his face, and he lifted up his hand and said one word. Yes. God met Woodrow where he was at. And he'll meet us. I praise his name. Please stand.
for criminals and every Pharisee. You came for hypocrites, even one like me. sin and shame, the guilt of every man, the weight of all I've done, nailed into your hands. Oh, your love bled for me, oh, your blood in crimson streams. so glad for the gospel and I'm glad for John's gospel where he tells us of how Jesus met the struggling disciples and especially Thomas eight days later but John adds a verse here at the end two verses and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. 
Isn't that what Jesus said? The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I don't want people to accept Christ just because they might die tonight. I want them to accept Christ because they might live tomorrow. And living in this world, we need a Savior who is always with us. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for each one in this Katyville church this morning. We thank you for those that are worshiping you here and those that will worship you in the future. I pray for them and I'm praying for the pastor that you have for the future for this church. But I believe, Jesus, you want to meet people right where they're at. I believe there's someone who may say today, even where they stand, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you were nailed to the cross and the blood ran down your side for me and I asked you to forgive me and come into my heart. I know you're inviting me. Just like you invited Thomas, come to me and believe. Give your people great peace. Continue to bring healing where there is hurt. Continue to bring encouragement where there is doubt. Flood your people with peace. In Jesus' name I pray.